Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from one of our pastors. Good morning. I'm so glad you're here this morning. My name is Justin Allison. I'm the discipleship pastor. I've been uh, on staff here about eight and a half years. And before that, my wife, Rachel, and I, and believe it or not, two kids at that time, uh, had attended for a couple years. We now have three kids. That's why I said it that way. But uh, that's a little about me. Uh, Brian will be back next week. He's on vacation uh, in a nice, cool spot, escaping the heat. trying to make the rest of us a little envious, I understand. <laughs> but but uh, so that's what Brian's up to this week. He asked me to, uh, to talk about Acts 14 today to continue on in the series that he's been doing on Acts. And so really today, what I want to do is, is walk through um, the whole chapter. We're going to major on what Paul has to say, and we're going to break it up into about five sections. And so we'll really just major on the one that Paul's uh, preaching in. Um, Acts 14, really 13 and 14, is what you might call a travel report. It's a, it's a narrative, it's a story, uh, there is you know, a plot line, there's character, all those things that you see in a story. So it's a, it's a good story, it's not a psalm or a prophecy or anything like that. So when we read this, um, we, we look at the person Luke, um, who has arranged uh, the history here in Acts, Acts wrote Luke and then Acts. Uh, excuse me, Luke wrote Luke and then Acts. And so as he arranged all of this, it appears that he probably, I think, arranged it around these two themes of perseverance and resilience. And so that's really what we're going to talk about today is perseverance and resilience. So to become a mature believer, you and I need to stay focused on following Jesus, even when it's incredibly hard. When you and I, when we learn how to do that, tough situations don't seem as tough. So what is perseverance? Perseverance is continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failures, or opposition. And then the other thing that I said we would see is is resilience. So what is that? It's an ability to recover from or adjust easily to some sort of misfortune or change. So resilience, perseverance, after looking at Acts 14, I really think you'll see that, the, that following Jesus requires perseverance and resilience. And so uh, we're going to be looking at the beginning of Acts 14. And before you stand, I, just, I have a feeling when you hear those words, for perseverance and resilience, maybe if you're like me, that recalls some sort of uh, sports story. You know, you're watching Monday Night Football or something, and you hear this great story of somebody that has overcome adversity to achieve a high level in their game. And, you know, it happens in lots of different sports. I think of Albert Pujols in baseball, Michael Jordan in basketball. Uh, USA has a goalkeeper in soccer called Matt Turner that went through the same thing. But believe it or not, following Jesus, uh, living our faith, Uh, we kind of go through the same process. And so if you've recently made a decision to follow Jesus, you've probably seen that play out by some difficulties that have popped up in your life because you're following Jesus. There are bumps in the road that happen when we want to be faithful to Jesus. We see that in Acts 14 as well. Maybe you're here today and uh, you were one of the people at the car wash yesterday. You got a little token inviting you to come to church. You heard us uh, pray for you, that kind of thing. And you're here today and you're thinking, what is going on? Who is, you know, what, I want to hear more about following Jesus. And so we're going to be talking about that today. If you're here and you've been a believer a long time, you've been to church a long time, we're going to be talking today about something that impacts you too, about 
persevering through some difficult circumstances to do those things God has called you to do. So let's stand and we're going to read from Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 1. So Acts 14, verse 1, says the same thing happened in Iconium. Same thing is uh, continuing what happened in 13. We'll talk about that in a minute. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia, to the towns of Lystra and Derbe, and the surrounding areas. There they preached the good news. You may be seated. So the first thing is, uh, I have a feeling most of you are like me and probably didn't pay that great of attention in eighth grade geography. And so when you hear the word Iconium and all these other cities, you're like, where in the world is this? Uh, modern day Turkey, there's a city called, I believe it's Konya, uh, but this is uh, kind of the area. You see Paul was um, leaving Antioch, the church in Antioch uh, on the right side of the screen there. Uh, that, that's the one that sent them out. And so they traveled around and then they came right back. If you're looking in your notes, there's a bigger map. So you might actually be able to read the text. Um, but that's kind of the area that we have in mind. And so you can see they were traveling a long way. You got to remember, these guys are traveling by sailboat and then they're walking. So uh, that's the story of perseverance right there, isn't it? Uh, so you can go ahead and take that one off the screen, Ryan. Um, so as we look in the text at the story here, um, we, we've talked about this is happening in modern day um, Turkey and we see a couple of things happen here, uh, and that's that there is this victory, and then there is kind of a trial. Uh, there is a, a victory and a difficulty that happens in 14, one through seven. And we, we see that pattern happen again uh, in the next paragraph as well. But the other thing that we see in this is that it's continuing the pattern that we saw last week that Pastor Brian was talking about in Acts 13, where uh, Paul and Barnabas would go to the Jewish synagogue. These are people who worshiped um, God. They just didn't know about Jesus yet. And so they would go into the synagogue. They would use the Old Testament, uh, the Bible at the time, to preach about who Jesus was, the Messiah, and encourage them to follow Jesus. Well, they did the same thing here. And great things happened. Um, one of the reasons great things happened, we'll, we'll see, is because of these signs and wonders. Uh, I don't know about you, but whenever I read something about that, I kind of wonder, like, why, why don't I see a lot of signs and wonders today? You know, why, why don't we see this kind of stuff? And I think one of the answers to this, I'm not saying it's the answer, but one of the answers to this might be the fact that um, when we read the book of 1 John, it talks about how there's a testimony about uh, the truth of who Jesus is. And we, we know from, from that book and from other places in the Bible, including the Old Testament, that we're, we're supposed to accept the testimony of two or three witnesses, 
but not necessarily one person. So in other words, if one person came to you and said, hey, this happened, this guy tried to cheat, on, cheat my company, da 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 and then somebody else comes and tells you a completely different story, you're like, man, I don't know who to listen to. But if like three people came, and they all, you know, modern day way, if you read like 17 bad reviews on Google, right? Probably a place to avoid. Well, same thing here. Um, in that time, you would hear several different testimonies and you would be able to agree with them. Well, in this case, these people, um, they're hearing the preaching from the apostles. They're using the, uh, the scripture, the Old Testament. And then there's this other testimony that seems to uh, be, be coming into play here, the signs and wonders. These miraculous deeds, they kind of give testimony to the truth of what they're communicating. And so maybe one of the reasons is that we have completed scripture. We, we don't necessarily need that gr great weighty testimony. I don't know, but I'm saying that's a, that's a possibility. So there's signs and wonders. There's this great testimony from God confirming what these guys are saying. And with that, lots of people turn to following Jesus. And so we see victory happening. And then we see difficulty. And this difficulty is... Uh, really just that they catch wind, they understand that these people have decided they're going to stone Paul and Barnabas. Stoning was just something they would, they would take him outside the town oftentimes, hurl rocks at him, sometimes very big rock, depends on what they had there, until someone was dead, okay? Bad things, right? You don't want that to happen to you. And so imagine if Paul and Barnabas had just said, whoa, we didn't sign up for this. The stoning thing, yeah, we're out. Uh, we're going to go back home. And so instead of continuing their journey, they had gone back home to, to Antioch. Well, you and I probably wouldn't be here today, right? The rest of the, the New Testament, the rest of the book of the Acts sure wouldn't have been written because there would be nothing to write. And you and I probably wouldn't be here today. But these guys persevered. And the way that they persevered is, in this case, they just went to the next town. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And so sometimes when you and I are called to do something, when we're called to share the gospel with other people, uh, we're going to be met with difficulty. And so that's one of the things that I want you to catch today is that when we follow Jesus, um, it's not always going to be great. There are going to be difficulties. Paul and Barnabas here, you know, these great figures. Paul wrote half the New Testament, right? went through some really difficult stuff. It's going to get even worse. So let's go ahead. We're going to turn over now and we're going to read starting in verse 14 of, of chapter uh, 14 here. It says this, it says, uh, but when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We've come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. I'm just realizing I skipped a part there. Hmm, that's interesting. So before that, um, in Lystra, in verse 8 through, uh, through 13, we see that they go and they preach in the town of Lystra, which is about a day's walk. And so, 
you know, they walk 18, 20 miles, which is pretty, pretty tough to do. Uh, if you've ever gone backpacking, this is kind of what they're doing. They're walking all the way to Lystra. And so they go to the next town. They preach the gospel there. And as the scripture says, um, this is what happened in uh, verse 8. Sorry, Ryan, I'm throwing you a curveball here. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. And looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up! And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, These men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes, since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside of town, so the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates, and when they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. And then we get the sermon that I read earlier. And so uh, in this case, like I said, in Lystra, uh, it's about a day's journey away, and these people actually come, when, and, and there's a victory in that when Paul and, uh, and Barnabas are preaching, there's a man who is crippled in his feet, and the way that it's described is, is really sombering. Um, Luke describes it like three different ways that the guy can't walk, that his feet are crippled there. And so it's, it's a permanent thing. It's something that, that he's never done before. And one of those signs and wonders happen, and they're able to heal the guy. And if you're asking, well, Justin, why have you never done that? Well, it's interesting that when Paul is, is uh, preaching, it says he looked at the man, and he saw that he had faith to be healed. I've never seen that in somebody, so that's just going to be my first answer to you there. I've never seen that. Um, but, but that's what happens. Paul sees that somebody has the faith to be healed. And through the Holy Spirit, he, he's able to heal this man. And many people believe. And so there's victory. And then there's a totally different trial here. And this trial takes place in the way that, uh, that they're received. These people are not Jewish people. They're in a completely pagan culture. Um, it's very different than where we live today. And so they, they don't just kind of go, yeah, that's great. We'll talk to you later. What they do, the world that they live in says that there are tons and tons of different gods. And the really special ones, like Zeus and Hermes, um, the really powerful ones, will at time overpower these human beings and actually kind of manifest in them and do miraculous things, do these amazing deeds. Uh, so you think uh, about the Greek, um, these heroes and things, and that, that's what they imagine is happening here, that these guys must be doing something through the power of the local deities there because of what they're capable of doing. And so then the turn is, they want to start worshiping these guys. They want to give them honor and praise. They want to tell them how great and amazing they are because they're hoping that Paul and Barnabas will do great things for the rest of them as well. And as we, as we see that, uh, it's interesting to me that they have the chance, Paul and Barnabas, to just kind of make a little tweak to their message and accept a lot of this praise and accept maybe some of the stuff that people are bringing to them. And they choose not to do that. So part of their perseverance dealt, dealt with overcoming uh, the opportunity for pride to gain a, gain a foothold there. They were able to do that. Part of their perseverance meant that they truly stayed committed to what God had called them to. And we're, we as I read in the, the next section, I won't read that again for you. Um, 
Paul preached a message to them, and it was very simple. It didn't, it didn't start out with Jesus is the Messiah you've been looking for. Remember, because these were pagan people. They're not Jewish people. And so instead, he starts with how God created the world, how God created the world, and how God is the creator, and how um, they're actually only worshiping vain things. You'll see in uh, Acts 14 and verse 15, he says this. He says, we've come to bring you good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God. Turn from the worthless things and turn to the living God. And that calls to mind something else that Paul said in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 19. If I can open up my Bible here. Romans 1, starting in verse 19, says this. They, uh, being pagans that he's talking about here, They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they, the pagans, knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. And claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And so that is kind of what Paul has in mind when he's expressing to them the truth of of worshiping the living God and turning away from these idols. In other words, he's telling them, stop worshiping these things that are, of, of, that are really worthless, that are empty, that, that have no weight or value to them, and instead turn and embrace the creator, the living God. The creator, the living God. And a lot of us, if we're honest, uh, struggle with this today. Some of us, we, I, was, I was talking earlier, some of us <clears throat> in this room today probably came haven't been following Jesus that long. Or maybe, maybe you're here and you're trying to check this out today. Well, the first thing you need to do is to, to know that God has asked us to turn away from worshiping other things and turn, away, turn towards worshiping the living God. And we need to uh, embrace the living God just as uh, Paul called those people to do here in Acts. The other thing is that if you've been following Jesus a while, you may have maybe slid a little bit and you're thinking um, about other things more than you're thinking about God. And that message rings true for us as well today that we need to be ruthless in our hunt for idols and to stop putting worthless things ahead of God and start worshiping the, the living God. And so then the next thing that we see in this story is that, uh, that Paul, <clears throat> he talks about the goodness of God. So he's talked about how he is the creator who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. And these are very similar in phraseology to Exodus 20, 11, uh, Psalm 146, 6. He's, he's, he's a Jewish guy. He's talking about the Old Testament. And now he turns to discuss the goodness of God in verse 17. Uh, he says, uh, God never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. And so God is good. God is good. We get to communicate that um, 
on a bi-weekly basis, a couple times a month, we try to do things to show God's kindness to the community around us and draw people to him. We really believe, as scripture says, that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so we, one of the reasons we believe that is because scripture says it. It's also because of the way that Paul used it here in this time. God's kindness drawing people to him. And so um, you and I can communicate that kindness to God. Uh, the kindness of God to these people. And so those are, those are a couple of things we can do. Number one, uh, as Paul talked about here, embrace the one true God. The other one is rejecting praise for ourselves, that pride. And, and guys, this is, this is something I struggle with. Um, maybe it's being willing to lay aside that personal ego and instead raise up the message of Christ. In, in other words, instead of... Um, when people say, oh man, you're just, you're such a good person. The way that you love those people is really, really amazing. You can say, you know what? That's, thanks for saying that. But it's because there is a wonderful, amazing savior who has saved me and has shaped me that way. Maybe, maybe it's the way that you take care of somebody. Maybe you knew somebody at work who's going through a rough time and you're able to meet one of their needs financially and somebody find out, finds out about that. And they say, wow, you're, you're such a generous person. But you have an opportunity there. You could say, yeah, I'm a generous person. Or you could say, you know what? I do that because God is generous in the way he loves me. And so I'm going to be generous in the way that I love other people. And so we have an opportunity to reject praise for ourselves, just as Paul and Barnabas did. And we can lift up the God of the Bible. So reject praise for yourself and point toward God, just like Paul and Barnabas. And the next thing is perseverance. Uh, These guys... They were faced here. This is a second situation they've been in where it looked like things were going well, but then it turned and it did not go well at all. I don't know how much worse you can do as an evangelist to be sharing the gospel with somebody and they start wanting to worship you. I mean, that's not what we're going for, okay? So it did not go well for them, and yet they continued to press on and lift up Jesus. Um, we're going to see they have to do that even more in a minute. But so there's another thing we can see here is that you and I need to show perseverance in our faith. We need to be committed to the mission that God has called us to. Um, So are you willing to follow God when you don't get a promotion? Are you willing to follow God when you don't get that dream house that you wanted or that you lose that dream house that you wanted? Are you willing to follow God when you can't get that truck that you wanted? Or that car that you spent all of your savings on, I I think of a younger person doing this, spent all your savings on this wonderful car, you're so proud of it, and then the transmission just fails, right? Like, we've all been there when we were younger. Things let us down. Are we willing to to follow God when things don't go the way we wanted? What about when a loved one gets sick? Are we willing to stay committed to the vision that God has given us when a loved one gets sick? That takes perseverance, just like... Paul and Barnabas. And so Paul and Barnabas had the chance, like we said, to relent and to maybe take some of the blessings that they were offered materially, but they chose not to do that. And in preaching the gospel, things took a turn and got even worse. So let's look at verse 19 and 20 in chapter 14. It says this, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back to the town. 
The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. So, Paul gets stoned. I mean, that's pretty bad. So bad that they actually, Luke, recording this, actually writes that it, they thought he was dead. And then it looks like almost a miraculous healing. And I say almost because Luke wrote, looked like he was dead. So everybody thought he was dead, but Luke evidently knew that he wasn't. And so he's laying there, and I can imagine this guy in a crumpled heap, he's laying there, and um, the way I see this playing out in my mind, is kind of like you know when a football player gets hit really hard on the field and they're laying there on their back, and everybody's kind of, ooh, and you're watching, you're watching, and then they do the thing with their legs where they kick their feet up and they flip up, you know, and the crowd goes, ah! You know, that's what I imagine happening. Okay, maybe not, right? But still, I mean, it's that same sort of feeling where this, this guy that they all thought was dead, he gets up, and then he just goes on back to the town. And we see that he starts doing the work God called him to again. And that's a big one. That's tough. I don't know about you, but when I get sick, I want to like lay in bed. This guy got stoned, and he just gets right up and starts going back to work. That's pretty amazing. That's a lot of resilience that Paul shows there. Um, this ability for him to recover and adjust to misfortune or change. He, he was able to keep focused on what God called him to, even when things did not go according to plan. This is about as bad as it can possibly go, right? Um, did not go according to plan. And so he's able to just kind of say, okay, I guess that door's closed. What's up next, Lord? And then he keeps going. And that's the attitude that we need to have as believers. It's the attitude we need to have as a church. And that's something that I've seen us do here at Greenwood. Uh, one of my favorite examples of this is um, the way that we used to do vacation Bible school. We loved doing vacation Bible school here at the church and did it for a long, long time. And this was before we had that building over there, the offices over there. And we would fill up what is now three rooms, used to be five, over there in the children's hall where the first through third graders meet. Those were all of our children's rooms. Those would be completely filled with kids and, you know, to the point where the air conditioners wouldn't cool it off. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like filled up with people. And this room would be full of uh, kids and adult volunteers and all that stuff. And eventually we got to the point where we realized we can't do this. We don't have any more room. It just won't work this way. Nobody got stoned, but it didn't work that way, right? We had to say, you know what? It's time to change direction. And so when that new building uh, that's now over there was built, it's not so new, it was built in 2016, but when that building was finished, we were able to say, you know what? We can do all of that now on Wednesday nights. And so our children's ministry started doing what they call Wacky Wednesdays, where they try to invite kids to do all of those vacation Bible school things on a Wednesday and uh, get to do all of that great stuff, all those fun activities. It looks different. And that was a pivot that we had to make as a church. And sometimes we have to do that in our own lives as well. Sometimes things do not go according to plan. And so you have to make that pivot and, and find out how to follow Jesus in those difficult circumstances. So these guys were able to do that. And they, um, we, can, we can follow their example in that. And so I want to finish this chapter with uh, starting in verse 21. So after preaching the good news in Derby, so they, they got, Paul got stoned, he recovers, he gets up, they leave, they go to Derby, preach the good news, and, make, and making many disciples. 
Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Do you think they listened to the guy that just got stoned? Probably. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. They traveled back through Pisidia and Pamphylia. They preached the word in Perga, then went down to Italia. And if you're like me and don't remember all those things on that map, this is on the coast of Turkey, okay? So then finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where their journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. And they stayed there with the believers for a long time. There's a couple of things to, to point out in this section. Uh, so Paul, fresh off of being stoned, starts traveling around. And uh, we can actually read what somebody wrote about a description of Paul uh, about this time. Um, from the town of Iconia, uh, like, uh, excuse me, Iconium, yeah. Uh, it says this, uh, it was a guy named Onesiphorus, which if you're looking for a kid's name, don't use that one. Right, so uh, Onesiphorus, he writes this. Uh, Paul, a man of small stature with a bald head and crooked legs in a state of good body with eyebrows meeting and nose somewhat hooked. So let me put this in modern language for you. He was a short guy, he was bald, kind of funny looking, had a unibrow, okay? That's how he's describing Paul. Now, there's some debate about whether this is before or after he got stoned because of the town, and I'm gonna give Paul the benefit of the doubt and say this was after, right? So, Paul, there's nothing special about this guy. Uh, he's bearing the marks on his body of, of the ministry that God has called him to, um, as some of you are. Um, some of you have dealt with some difficult things. Paul is doing that too. And when he's coming back, he's making that return journey. Uh, we're told uh, they strengthened the believers. They made many disciples. Uh, the word for disciples there is a Greek word, uh, mathetes. It means a pupil, a learner, maybe a student. These are people that they were teaching to, to follow Jesus. Uh, so they're teaching them how to, to follow Jesus. Uh, God's commands. Uh, we're all commanded to do this, to make disciples. Remember the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to command, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. I've twisted around there. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. So all of us are called to do that. These guys are doing that. They are making disciples all around. And one of the ways that we make disciples is we just do it wherever we are. Um, these guys were traveling to different towns making disciples. Maybe God's called you to do that. Maybe not, but he's definitely called you to make disciples where you are. So maybe that's at your work. So if you are working in an office, you have some people that you're around every day uh, or at least many days, and so you can spend time sharing the gospel with them and teaching them more about following Jesus. If you're at school full-time, that's where you can make disciples. You can, you can be somebody there who points to Jesus and teaches people to do that. If you're at home and you're raising children or homeschooling children, this is, a, this is a, the kind of thing where you can disciple your children 
to do that. Maybe you're a coach of a sporting team, you know? I, I like to coach so my kids' soccer teams. There's always a chance somewhere in that year. I'm not saying you do it every day, but there's always a chance to share the gospel, to invite people uh, to follow Jesus in those times. And so God has given us circumstances to do that. And it takes time with people. It's not something that you can just do, you know, oh, there it is. I did it in three hours. They're done. It's not like one of those old defensive driving seminars at like a Golden Corral where you go for half the day, get an all-you-can-eat buffet. Boom, that's it. You're done. That's not how discipleship works. Some of y'all are smiling. You remember that. All right. So that's not how it works. It takes time. And the, these disciples, um, the apostles, I mean, Paul and Barnabas, they followed up with these people. They set up churches. They appointed elders. They set up a way for these people to study the Bible for themselves, to learn how to follow Jesus. They taught them how to do that. And then they set up other people to continue to teach them that. And that's what we want to do here at the church. Uh, we want to do that exact same thing. We want to raise up people to disciple others. That's our, that's, that's our mission is to teach people how to follow Jesus. First, that's sharing the gospel with them, showing them how to do that through life, teaching them how to read and apply the Bible. And then once we've, once we've got there, let them teach other people how to do that same thing. And so some of you are there and maybe you're doing that. My, my question for you is, will you persevere in discipling others? Uh, will you continue to do that? Will you look for ways to do that? And so this story ends with Paul and, and Barnabas going back to a church and giving this report. And uh, I'm sure they had a lot of questions after, you know, there was probably, well, what about, what did this look like? You know, the little kids are going, were there any strange animals there or whatever? But the point of this whole story is really that following Jesus requires perseverance and resilience. Following Jesus requires perseverance and resilience. And so maybe you're here today and you've been thinking about following Jesus or you're, you're starting to get to the point where you might want to make this creator of the, of the world your Lord and Savior. And there's really three things that you have to do to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And we like to use the acronym, the ABCs. Uh, a, you admit that you are a sinner. Uh, in the Bible, Romans tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You and me both have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I think we all probably understand that. So we admit that we're a sinner. We believe, that's B, believe that Jesus is God's son. We believe that he was um, God in flesh, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he died for our sins to pay that price, and that he was raised on the third day, and that he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. And, uh, and that we will have eternal life for those who follow Jesus. So we believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And then we confess Jesus as our Lord. Romans tells us if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. And so that's the opportunity that you have today. And so if you've never done that, I want to invite you to do that today, to make Jesus your Lord. Admit, believe, and confess. And so we're going to bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes. And as we do that, um, specifically for those of you who want to make Jesus your Lord today, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer and to um, say these words either out loud or in your, in your mind. Uh, God will hear you either way. So you just need to pray something like this. God, I know I am a sinner. 
I know I have fallen short of your standard of perfection, but I believe Jesus is who he said he, he was. I believe the Bible is true about who Jesus is. And I want to make Jesus my Lord and follow him the rest of my life and obey his teachings in the Bible. And if you just prayed that today, you are now a follower of Jesus. You're, you've begun that journey of discipleship. So I just ask if you did that today for the first time, would you just look at me? Would you just look up at me? I'm not going to put you on a mailing list. Thank you. I'm not going to uh, ask you for any money. Just look up so I can pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else I haven't seen? Okay. Well, let me pray for those of you who made that decision. We're going to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I have something else for other people too. God, I just pray that for these who have made that decision today, that you would, you would give them just an immense feeling of joy today. Pray that you would show them uh, how, how to follow you this week, how to live uh, that full life that you tell us about in John 10, 10. God, I pray that you would make a difference in their hearts, in their relationships, in the way that they live their life. And God, I just pray that they would follow you all their days and just, uh, just be blessed immensely this week. And now I want to ask if you are a believer and you're here and you've heard a message about perseverance and resilience and you thought to yourself, I need prayer. I'm in that situation. I need to persevere. Would you just look up at me? You think you're going through something rough right now and you could use some prayer for perseverance. Okay. Anybody else? Anyone else? All right. Well, I want to pray for you now. God, thank you so much for these people who are honest about where they're at in life right now, the struggles they're going through. God, I pray that you would work in the lives of all of these people, that you would give them strength and the faith to persevere in difficult circumstances. God, help us to look to your word for that strength and encouragement this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, before, before we go, I want to ask you, if you made that decision to follow Jesus today, I want to ask you to tell someone about that. You can tell me, I'll be down front later. You can tell John, he'll be down here at the end of the service. Or maybe you're going to tell the people that you came with. Uh, but we just encourage you to tell someone. There's a number on the screen. You can text SAVED to that number, 817-809-2518. Uh, and so, again, we're not going to put you on a mailing list or anything like that. That's just a way to... Uh, to be encouraged. And also, if you're thinking about joining our church, uh, you want to unite with our, our mission, uh, you'd like to serve somewhere, you can text member or membership, either one of those, to that, uh, that number, and, uh, and we'll get with you. We'll set you up a time to do that. Um, let's pray now, and then we'll have some announcements. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for Luke recording what... Uh, Paul and Barnabas said to all these people in the way that they discipled others and showed perseverance and resilience. Help us to do that this week, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.